You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. defeated the Amorites? Remember when he defeated these guys? Remember when he did this? Remember when he did that? See, our hearts need to be prepared for what God is going to do now by remembering what God has done. God is always faithful. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we need to be reminded that he is always faithful. You may be going through a real tough time right now, and you're wondering where God is. You need to be reminded that God is faithful. God is faithful, and He will do things according to His purpose. God hasn't changed. He's the same today as He was yesterday, and as He will be in the future. God is faithful to us no matter what, even when we can't feel Him or see Him moving. Pastor Dave reminds us today to trust in God no matter what, remembering all He's done and all He's promised to do. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of Judges, chapter 7, with part one of his message, How Many is Too Many? Chapter 7 of the book of Judges. I want to kind of get us back up to steam so we can move on in this great, wonderful study that we've been having. So we open chapter 6. We were reminded that the theme of the book of Judges is simply this. The theme of the book of Judges is simply this. Ordinary people who are called by God, who are empowered by the Spirit of God, can accomplish extraordinary things when they make themselves available to God and allow the Holy Spirit to work through them. That's the entire theme of the book of Judges. Such was our man Gideon. Gideon was an ordinary man. You might say, like Elijah said, a man of like passions, a man of like desires, a man, a person, a human, much like you or I. But God chose him to deliver Israel from the hands of the Midianites. God chose him to deliver Israel. Why? Quite simple. The Israelites have gotten back into the cycle. They fell back into the cycle. Remember the cycle? Disobedience, Discipline, despair, deliverance. They had fallen back into disobedience. We read back in chapter 6, verse 1, after 40 years, after 40 years of peace and prosperity, after 40 years of wonderful living under the hands of Deborah, 40 years of living a peaceful life. Once again, it says in chapter 6, verse 1, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. How did they do evil? Well, they started going after foreign gods. They started worshiping Baal. They started worshiping Ashtoreth. They started worshiping all these other foreign gods. They started giving their daughters to these pagan people for wives and taking their daughters as wives for their sons. 
They started following hard after them instead of following hard after their God. They forgot their God. They forsook their God. They left him. They fell into disobedience. And when they were in disobedience, the next D word, the Lord had to discipline them. He had to bring them under discipline. So what did he do? He allowed the Midianites to come down every year and rob them. Every year at harvest time, the Midianites would come down They would take all the stuff that they had grown. They would pillage them. They would plunder. They would take their livestock. Anything that wasn't tied down, they took. Some things that were tied down, they took. They ravaged Israel. They plundered them for seven long years. They would swoop down at the nation and come. They would overwhelm the nation with numbers. It says in verse 5 that they were numerous as locusts. You can just picture locusts coming in. And if you ever see pictures of the locusts coming in, and when they leave, there's nothing left. Nothing left at all. That's what the Midianites would do. What usually happens, happened. God's discipline works. Israel was in despair. Look at verse 6 in chapter 6. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Despair. They cried out to God. God disciplined them, and it caused them to cry out to him. Interesting in Psalm 34. You don't have to turn there. I got it. In verse 6, it says this. The poor man cried out, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. I like that. I like that. What we can glean from this is that Lord hears us when we cry. The Lord hears us when we cry and he answers our prayers. When we get to a place of total desperation and a place of total brokenness, then the Lord is able to hear our prayer and he will always respond to total brokenness and desperation. But we know that the word of God in Psalm 51 says, a broken and contrite heart I will not despise, says the Lord. Now, I looked up that word contrite. I looked up that word contrite in the Hebrew language, and it basically is dakah, D-A-K-A-H. You know what it means? Crush. It means crushed. So when you're feeling that crushed feeling, (laughs) when you've got that crushed feeling and your heart is absolutely broken and you're in that spare and you cry out to the Lord with that true heart, He won't despise that cry. He will hear that cry because he looks upon your heart. He looks upon your heart. He says, I will not despise that when you cry to me that way. Israel cried out that way. They were crushed. They were broken. They were in desperation. We need you, Lord. We're getting pillaged and and plundered here. We don't know what to do. Help us, O Lord. And our faithful, loving father comes to the rescue. Our faithful, loving father comes to the rescue. Although he does remind Israel of their sin, he will remind them of their sin. But as long as we cry out in true repentance, as long as we cry out with a heartfelt repentant time, wanting him, he will hear us. How long has it been since you cried out like that? How long has it been since the word of God brought you to tears? How long has it been since your heart has been so crushed that you cried out to him in desperation? Many times we wonder, why am I still in bondage? 
Why am I still dominated by sin? Why am I still struggling? Could it be that we have not cried out to God in truth? Could it be that we're just crying out to God so that he'll take away the circumstances and that's all we want are the circumstances to be taken away? We're not changing our heart. We're not changing our attitudes. We're not changing at all. Could that be the truth? Could it be we have not cried out in God with heartfelt repentance? Maybe our heart hasn't been crushed enough. B and I pray that for our kids every day, that their hearts would be crushed for God, that God would put them in a place, back them into a corner where their hearts were so crushed that they could only cry out to him for salvation. See, we must seek the Lord in all honesty and sincerity, because the Lord knows your heart. When you're seeking the Lord just for a quick fix, when you're seeking the Lord just to have a Band-Aid put on your boo-boo, the Lord knows that. And he even does that sometimes. He will even make a quick fix for you, but you eventually always fall back into that besetting sin. You always fall back because it hasn't been a heartfelt cry. It hasn't been something where you feel, okay, Lord, I've had it, I'm done. You haven't cried out with Popeye. That's all I can stand because I can't stand no more. You haven't cried out like that. You wanted to fix, but you never changed your heart. But we can glean something from Israel. We can glean something from the book of Judges because every single time Israel cried out, God answered. Every single time. Our God is so faithful. He is so gracious and his mercy is abounding, and it's new every morning. God heard the cries of Israel as a nation, and he sent them a prophet. But they were scratching their head. Why'd you send a prophet, Lord? But the prophet was to prepare their hearts. The prophet was to prepare their hearts for what was about to happen. Their hearts needed to be righted to him. So what God did through the prophet, he reminded them of his faithfulness. Because the prophet told them, remember when he took our forefathers out of Egypt? Remember when he defeated the Amorites? Remember when he defeated these guys? Remember when he did this? Remember when he did that? See, our hearts need to be prepared for what God is going to do now by remembering what God has done. God is always faithful. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we need to be reminded that he is always faithful. You may be going through a real tough time right now, and you're wondering where God is. You need to be reminded that God is faithful. God is faithful, and he will do things according to his purpose. He reminds the nation of Israel of his past victories. He reminds them that he drove out all the oppressors. He tells them not to fear in verse 10. I love verse 10 in chapter 6, because he tells them not to fear. He says, also I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But you have not obeyed my voice. God reminds them. He reprimands them. He scolds them. He scolds them. Chapter 6, verse 10. God is ever faithful and hears the cries of his people. And he chooses to deliver the nation through the most unlikely person, I believe, in scriptures. Gideon. A man, Gideon. I love him. I don't know which one I like better, Peter or Gideon. You know, they're both, I just, I love him. I'm just quickly running through. When we first meet Gideon, he's threshing wheat of all places in a wine press. He's hiding. Many people call him a coward. He's hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat. The Lord called out to him, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. Imagine Gideon's heart. We had a good time with this when we studied this part. 
You imagine what Gideon thought. Mighty man of power. See, God sees the finished project. God knows the beginning and the end. He sees the completed work. God calls things out as they were, even though they're not. God sees them. God sees the completed project. God sees that and knows what he's going to make of Gideon. But Gideon isn't easily moved. Gideon is not easily moved. His faith is weak. And from this, we can put ourselves right next to Gideon and say, yeah, I know all about weak faith, Gideon. I know all about weak faith. But God is strong. Praise God, he is a lot stronger than Gideon's faith. God is a lot stronger. A great God could use a very, very small, weak Gideon. Gideon makes a lot of excuses to the Lord. He reminds me of Moses when Moses was before the Lord in Exodus before the burning tree. You know, sometimes when the Lord calls me, I make excuses. When the Lord tells me, go visit that guy and talk to him. Oh, he won't accept, Lord. He won't even hear me. He doesn't need you. I make the decision instead of the Lord. What's that all about? My faith is weak. Sometimes I won't listen when he calls me and tells me to do something. I become stubborn. Then pretty soon I feel that thunk as he gives me a fingerhead shot. Come on, Dave. He tells Gideon, I will be with you and you will defeat the Midianites as one man. See, God's assurance to Gideon was not to build up Gideon's self-confidence, but God assured him that he was with him. Gideon did not need self-confidence. He needed God-confidence. He didn't need self-confidence. That's what we all need in this day and age. We need God-confidence in our life. Our confidence must be in the Lord and not in ourselves. Where are you placing your confidence? Please do not place your confidence in me. You will be sorely disappointed if you place your confidence in me. Place your confidence in the Lord. Place your confidence in the Lord. Paul was a confident disciple. You read how many times he says confident in Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul was a confident disciple. His confidence was not in man. His confidence was not in his own ability. His confidence was none other than the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. And that's where our confidence needs to be. It's important to know that God sent us, but it's even greater to know that God is going with us on the mission. He's going with us on the mission. God gave that assurance to Moses in Exodus 3. He gave the assurance to Joshua in Joshua 1.9. And Jesus gives us an assurance in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. And yes, I am with you even until the end of the age. Jesus is with us. But the Lord decides to test Gideon's faith. He asked him to tear down the altar of Baal that belonged to his father. Gideon does so and is rebuked by the city people the next morning. But his father all of a sudden stands up. His father is inspired by Gideon's faith. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Now Gideon is ready. God had called him. God had tested his faith. God had proven himself strong on Gideon's part. And now God says, you're ready. Now, Gideon, here's the power to do what I've called you to do. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. Talked a lot about this power from the Holy Spirit. Many of us are trying to live the Christian life without this power. 
and our noses are getting red from bumping our faces into walls because we're trying to live without the power of the Holy Spirit. You need that power. You need that power. Gideon needed that power. Everybody who's done anything for the Lord all through Scripture has had that power of the Holy Spirit. Why should we be any different? We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Power comes upon him and he blows the trumpet and all these men throughout the nation come to help. They're all there. Woohoo! It wasn't the trumpet blast that got the men to come. It wasn't because of Gideon. It was because of God. It wasn't any type of program that Gideon had. Ten steps to get rid of the Midianites. And he wrote a book. It was a movement of the Holy Spirit that got these men to go. Zechariah puts it real clear, folks. Not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. By the Holy Spirit. But Gideon's faith once again is weakened, and he asks for some additional assurance, and the Lord obliges him with the fleece. And we talked about that. So as we get to chapter 7, didn't think I would get there, did you? As we get to chapter 7, the stage has been set for the deliverance of the nation Israel. God is now going to deliver them out of the hand of the Midianites. God is certainly ready to do his part, but there seems to be a problem with Gideon's army. Seems to be a problem with Gideon's army. They seem to have a problem with numbers. As we begin chapter 7, look at verse 1. Everything in its place and read verse 1. Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Morath in the valley. So they're all ready to go. Now, what can we glean as we go through the rest of this chapter? We can glean that from this exciting account of victory, we can see that it really truly is a story of faith. It becomes a story of faith. A story of faith. Many men answer the call of Gideon's trumpet. We know from what we're going to read in chapter 7 that there were 32,000 of them. 32,000 men came. But it appears there's too many. Let's look at verse 2. The Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claims glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Hmm. So how many are too many? Gideon is about to have his little faith tested once again. I read this quote somewhere. Faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Faith that can't be tested cannot be trusted. According to God's word, we're each given a measure of faith. But we must use that faith. Now, many of you have known me for a long time. You know I'm not much of an exercise person. So I'm going to use that word exercise. We need to exercise our faith. Just like when those of you who exercise your body, you get stronger. We need to exercise our faith. And when we exercise our faith, it gets stronger. Our faith gets stronger, but we must use it. This is one of the reasons why God tests us in order to strengthen our faith. I can't rely on your faith and you can't rely on my faith. I have to rely on my faith, and you have to rely on your faith. We can't share our faith. Too many people, Gideon. I got 32,000 men. What's wrong with you? We're already outnumbered four to one. We're already outnumbered four to one, Lord. Well, I'm sorry, you got new too many. 
See, God knew that if he gave the Midianites into the hand of this measly 32,000, they would say, look what we did. We're bad. We took care of these guys. We wiped them all. Hey, we're bad. Yes, we are. Just call us the bad Israelites. Yeah. They'll get T-shirts made. They'll do all kinds of stuff. Come on. The bad Israelites. Yeah, we're bad. Come on. He knew that. Man would get the glory. See, God knows your heart all too well. I believe that's why he doesn't give some of us, me included, the gifts that we ask for. Lord, give me the gift of healing. And he's sitting up there. Yeah, what would you do with the gift of healing, Dave? Pretty soon you'd have your own road show with your own bus, your name printed on it, and you'd have all these things. Come on. I know you. But I do know God heals. I do know that God uses prayer to heal. But he hasn't chosen me for be one of his healers. Although there was a time when I prayed for somebody with a broken arm and it got healed. I saw that. So God may give you a gift for one time. But I believe he doesn't give us things that we ask for because he knows we're going to take all the credit for it. But in verse 3, the Lord says, pare down the number. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from out Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. Pare the number down, Gideon. Pare the number down. So Gideon says, if you're afraid, leave. 22,000 left. I can just see Gideon looking at God. Great, Lord. It used to be four to one. Now it's 14 to one. Great. Can imagine this. But in reality, Gideon was obeying the law of Moses. If you look at Deuteronomy 20, verse 8, Gideon really is obeying the law of Moses. It says in verse 8 of chapter 20, the officer shall speak further to the people and say, what man is there who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go and return to his house, lest the heart of his brethren faint like his heart. So Gideon was doing what he was told to. The fearful and the trembling are difficult for God to use. God cannot use us when we're trembling in fear. I believe that's why every time Jesus came into a room, the first words out of his mouth was what? Fear not. Fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of faith. What did the angel say at Jesus' birth to the shepherds? Fear not. Fear not. They were seeing this heavenly host of angels. You don't think their knees were knocking? You don't think there was a tendency for them to be afraid? 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We must rely on the Holy Spirit. If we trust in something other than the Holy Spirit, we become afraid and we become fearful. If you're not trusting in God, you're being fearful. And I'll never forget, and I think I've said this to some of you, After Elizabeth Elliot's husband was killed by those natives in Ecuador, I think it was, she returned to Ecuador, and she had amazing ministry, and she actually led one of the killers of her husband to the Lord. And when she came back to the States, somebody asked her, weren't you afraid? And she says, when you're in the will of the Holy Spirit, there is no fear. You are assured. When God raised up judges to bring the people of Israel back to himself, he did it in unusual ways. He chose a variety of men and women, strong and timid alike. These judges were given tasks to show God's power to the Israelites and the enemy, and God accomplished his goals in an unexpected fashion each time. 
God can and does use creative ways to reveal who He is, proving that He's the only one who could have made it happen. As you follow God and learn to rely on Him, He will reveal Himself to you as well. It may not be in the ways you'd normally expect, but you can be sure it will be in the way God knows best. Are you praying for God to move in your life? We'd be happy to come alongside you and support you with prayer as well. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. We are pleased we're able to bring you teachings from God's Word on each new edition of Assure Hope. If you'd like to hear more from this series in the book of Judges, visit assurehoperadio.com. There are several teachings on various books of the Bible available online for download, and we encourage you to share them with friends and family. That's all we have time for. Thanks for tuning in to our message today. May God bless you as you continue to study His Word. Pastor Dave will continue to walk verse by verse, chapter by chapter, through the book of Judges when you join us next time, right here on Assure Hope.